Oeherema Yorana. You're listening to Tereva Neyao, the only podcast currently documenting the voices and lives of Tahitian American families and couples, the long distance, the love stories, our lives between Tahiti and the United States of America. We present to you Tereva Neyao. Hey everybody, Aronga and happy holidays. Welcome to our final episode for 2023 of the Tereva Neyao podcast. And it's our final episode for season one as well. We're going to continue the momentum for 2024 with more guests from across the United States, French Polynesia, and of course more topics that are relevant to our families and raising our families here in the United States or in the diaspora. So our final guest for 2023 is my new friend, Heimiri Tiaihau Aguayo, who was raised in Moorea and is now raising her family with her husband, Rafael, in the state of New Mexico. Without further ado, here's our interview. Enjoy! Yorana Heimiri, thank you so much for being here with me today. We're just going to jump right in. If you could tell me a little about yourself, your life from birth to childhood being raised in Tahiti, Moorea. Yoranai uh, Ryan, uh, my name is Hemiri Tiehau. I was born, um, raised in um, French Polynesia, Tahiti, on the island of Moria. And um, my uh, family come from Tapoto Farerani, Tepa'u, from my mom's side. And uh, from my dad's side is uh, Tiehau Parau. So, yeah, I grew up in a, in a big family home. 14 with 14 siblings, uh, nine brothers, six uh, sisters. My mom's family live nearby our house. So there was always people at home. There was always kids uh, running around. Our house was um, surrounded mountain, lake, trees. So we were always outdoor with my siblings or cousins, swimming, playing, um, going to the waterfalls. So there was always something going on with my brothers and sisters, mostly the one that I grew up with, three brothers and one sister, because we were only um, one year apart from each other. So we were introduced to Orimaui, to the Orimaui when we started school. We danced for um, Christmas and um, the end of uh, school year. There was always something going on uh, at the house. Dad and mom, was known as um, natural healers. Mom was known, uh, my mom Leonie was known as um, making um, Rao Tahiti, which is um, Polynesian uh, medicine. And uh, dad was um, known as a beekeeper and uh, also as a, you know, healer using uh, bee stings. So we always have people come in and see, see them. Dan was also well known as um, he did a lot. He was a cook. He was a fisherman. But he was well known also as a crab hunter. So all the um, restaurant uh, chef knew my dad and was always looking for him. So, yeah, there was always someone, you know, at home. Besides living in a big uh, family home. My dad also has his had his own um, house, which pretty much looked like a cabin. 
and uh, away from um, you know our house. So, and to get there, you ha you had to go through um, I would call like a black forest because it was like away from the street, away from any uh, houses, and you could only like go there um, footsteps. It wasn't really we couldn't really go there all the time, but it was a it was a, a treat when he invited me and my sibling to go there. Because I think, you know, that, that was my dad's way of getting away sometimes, you know, being a, um, you know, hard worker and having always something to do with his family and his kids, then going to, you know, spend time with him at the, the, his little home was like, really being away from the crowds and the noise. And it was like two different lives because of my big house, there was TV, there was electricity, there was music, there was always, you know, loud noises. And on my dad, there was none of that. He had the solar panel that he would use it on at night, but throughout the day, it was just like pure nature noises. And you, so it was really a, a, a treat to go, uh, to go and you know spend a few days with him when he allowed us. And um, sometimes we, uh, with my sibling, we would be just like listening to my dad um, playing uh, his guitar or his ukulele, not really telling stories, but telling, explaining my brothers what to do the next day, how to go fishing, you know, at what time they will get up and things like that. So yeah, so that's basically how I grew up. I had a, you know, fun childhood and uh, dad, because he was very creative. Everything was DIY at home. If we wanted to do, a, we had um, tree houses around. We had big um, mango trees. So there was always like a hammock or, you know, a tree house. So, and then uh, every time we wanted something, there was, there is no way we could buy. He will always come up with ideas to build something. And sewing was a big, was a big thing in my household. Uh, grandma had, you know, taught her daughters how to sew. So mom taught us how to sew. So we always had needles around, you know, after, you know, and then Oritaiti uh, um, still stay around and, by 12, 14 years old with my sibling, we started performing in hotels and we started like every weekend. And then after that, it was like three, four days, uh, four nights a week. And that was pretty much our way of making a little money as well. And at um, 15 years old, um, I was sent to France for um, high school. And that's, and it was, a very interesting, you know, experience for me. Um, I lived with my sister, uh, Nani, that moved there years before me for the same reason. Then she stayed in France uh, after she met um, the first, her kid's uh, father. And um, it was hard for me to adjust to the way of living there. Because first of all, when I got there, it was in the middle of winter and I never felt cold before. So, and <laughs> the first time I got in, uh, in France, I, I was still wearing my sandals 
and I had a shirt on, you know, and my long hair, and I, I just, I was the only one, you know, wearing like that. And I remember my my sister came towards me, and you know, with a big old coat, and just covered me, and then you know, gave me socks, and just and just you know, told me to follow her and walking around like penguins. But I was that. She lived in a small apartment surrounded by taller buildings. And I don't really remember seeing the sun coming through the windows. We had to keep the windows um, closed because if we opened and then it was just like a, a bomb of traffic noise. So it was that and then uh, school wasn't, wasn't that easy. It was a two, three story building. And where I come from was like, you know, just one little school. Flat, yeah. Flat. Mm. Right. So I I got lost many times between hallways <laughs> and stairs going up yeah. and down. And yeah, it was that. And then um, because of the traffic was so heavy there. So we had to take either the train or the, the buses to, you know, go around and do our errands. So my sister always had kept a map on her and uh, she taught me how to read uh, the location of the train where it would right. stop so she will you know colors if we go to the store okay you have to for example take the line blue and just follow that line so so i learned that through her and i had to you know i stay two years in france wow and in that two years i I remember that I have mentioned many times to my sister that I, I wanted to go back to the island. Yeah. I did not like I did not like it there at all. Yeah. <laughs> and of course she did not let me let me go home because mm -hmm. you know she thought that it was best for me to continue my education there. And it right. was I, I learned a lot and I basically stayed because of my sister. Because you know, I hadn't seen her since I was little. So it was nice right. to reconnect with her. Yeah. And um, after, you know, enough, and she, she taught me a lot. She taught me how to be more independent. Yes. So um, after two years, I was ready to um, return um, back home, back to Moria. I didn't want to pursue school anymore. Instead, um, you know, I, I wanted to work. I went back eventually uh, dancing again um, because, um, you know, I, I was like, that was that's an easy way to make money. It's to just, you know, go to a group and start dancing and do performance in the hotels and then make some money. I, through my uh, best friend's, uh, Ivana's mom, I was able to uh, uh, get a job as a bartender. And, and uh, you know, and so, so and, you know, and I um, Ivana's mom, which um, Momo eventually became my mom too. Everybody's mom in Tahiti or, you know, or mommies to all kids, all children. Um, adults watch after other people's children. So their mother was our mom. And our mom was their, the entire island's mommy. Moved in with my best friend. And, um, and uh, yeah, and life was fun again. And but while I was away from um, Moria, during that time, my younger sister, Heimiti, we like um, a year apart. She had met um, the father of her first kids uh, in Moria. He visited Moria. He's, uh, he was um, an American guy. 
after that, um, not too long after that, he brought her to New Mexico and she got pregnant. And when uh, my nephew uh, turned a year, a year old, the three of them moved back to Moria just to visit. When she, you know, when she came back home, um, my dad had um, looked for me and asked me if I could, you know, visit them and visit my sister. So, which I did, and and uh, it was nice to see my sister and, you know, her her baby was so beautiful and everybody was just wanting just to hold him. While we were, like, talking, she mentioned that we had an auntie living uh, an hour away from, you know, where she lived in New Mexico. Her name was uh, Rajera. So it happened that Rajera's family lived not too far from my parents' house, but we never really heard um, about her. So I found out later on that um, she moved to the United States through a dancing group and then found herself um, married to a French guy. They lived in uh, San Francisco first and um, then relocated to New Mexico and opened a a French restaurant where my husband then, you know, uh, worked as a baker for them. You know, I was surprised to hear that we had, you know, an auntie living in New Mexico. And and then after that, um, my my sister and I um, walked away from, um, you know, a little bit from uh, everybody else, and we took my nephews to to her room after he fell asleep, and she asked me if I wanted to, you know, go back to Mexico with her, and just, you know, for for a little bit, and I was like, yeah, I mean, it's America. Who would say no to go, you know, to go to America? So, March two thousand three. I came to New Mexico uh, in Taos, and that's like an hour, 45 minutes away from here, from where I am now. And I remember getting the same feeling that I had when I went to France, and except a little, a little worse. And uh, there were, you know, there were no tall buildings, but flat roofed, rounded edges houses, dry, cold. Everywhere I looked, it was like, it felt just lonely. Not the the picture of what I had, the United States. Anyway, um, two months had passed and I had no, same thing, I I did not want to, I did not like um, where I stayed. It wasn't interesting to me at all. There was nothing going on. We didn't see many people because we were, we were, we we lived um, out of town. But it didn't matter because um, I didn't understand English. I wasn't speaking the language yet, and everything I had to be everything had to be translated by my sister. And so many times I felt lonely. And one day, um, um, she asked me uh, if I wanted to go see um, our auntie Rajera in Santa Fe. So I felt I felt relieved there. I was like I was happy to just get out of the house and the town and go meet. Uh, a family member and um, since you know um, since she owned a restaurant I assumed that there were more activities going on there 
So I, I, I told my sister, um, I asked my sisters, probably um, I could spend some time in Santa Fe with Rahira. And, you know, she agreed. And, and it, without knowing who was Rahira, I felt like she was, you know, she's eventually, she's going to say yes. If I ask her, I could stay with her because that's what, uh, you know, we Tahitian do. We looked after others and help out each other, right? So it was, it wasn't, um, yeah. So I, I, I knew that she was going to say yes. So we came to Santa Fe and in the middle, in the, in the beginning of May, if I'm, yeah, if I'm, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was in the middle of May. So flowers, trees were already blooming and um, people were, you know, walking outside and I, I, you know, and, and Rahira, she, when I met her, it was like, she made everything, you know, she had this big old smile on her face. She was wearing flowers. So it was like, I was so happy <laughs> to see someone like us and just like speaking French. And that's really when I, I started like opening up to her because she was asking me about my family and then I was asking her how she got here. So we talked a lot. She took me um, around town and then she walked me around her restaurant. She introduced me to her employees and that's where I met um, uh, Rafa, which is my husband. I wasn't really paying attention to him at first because in my mind, I was just like thinking, how am I going to ask her if I could stay? And then how am I going to let my sister go back to Taos all by herself? So it was like happy and sad moment. And after I asked Raira, she's she'd always say yes. So I was happy. And you know, when it was time to say goodbye to my sister, I was sad. Right. So I walk in the mixed restaurant. Yeah. yeah, it was a mixed emotion. So <laughs> and then I remember I walk in the restaurant, I sat down at a table and just start crying. And I heard this voice like saying. Um, is everything okay? And I turned around and Rafa was right, you know, next to me. And he handed me a, a, a tissue. So I just nodded, yes. And at that moment, I really thought I, he, he was very sweet. Right? And then um, that's when um, Rahira came back. She's my auntie, but I call her Rahira. I just got used to just call her like that. So she came and... Um, took me to her place and then at night we uh she we just cruise around um town and she i don't know why but she showed me where rafa lived so and then the next day um i asked her hey um do you think um you can let me work or just you know do something just i can you know just do something and she's like yeah um here um have this apron and you can start bossing table. So that was my first job. And um, I found myself few times walking um, the bakery where the Rafa work was connect, was right next to the main restaurant. So I found myself many times going and check on him and just say hi, you know. And then, uh, and then uh, after, after a week, I just, got used to the to the place. I found myself, you know, 
um, getting around town, walk, just, you know, walking a little bit around town to get used to. In fact, and after, you know, after that, I walked from her place to the restaurant, which is like a half an hour walk. And one day on my way there, um, Rafa was driving by and stopped me. And then he, you know, by then my English was a, a little, uh, a little bit, you know, fluent. So when he stopped and he asked me if I need a ride, I say yes. That day we we talk a little bit more, and um, we plan to go to the movies after work or on um, or day off. We started spending a lot of time together. And I and, and um, you know with him I I started speaking um, English more frequently. Rafa told me that he was um, from Mexico, and most of his family lived in Santa Fe as well. In fact, uh, he lived with um, his brother and sister. They all share uh, you know a three bedroom apartment. Uh, his sister Anna and her husband Fernando also worked uh, for Rajera. And I was a cook. Fernando was a server. And man, that guy, until today, I love him to death. He's just like, this, it was just a joy to be around him because he was so fun to work with and crack jokes, you know. And I really felt a family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, could tell. And then, uh, yeah. And, and yeah, we spent a lot of time together. We, um, sometimes they will make, dinner and they went by me and Raira over and getting you know to know them was also different because they all speak Spanish and I remember one night I was just sitting and they were just like you know you know throwing words at each other and at that moment I was like it was loud it was fast and I I looked at Rafa and I was like, if I wanted to be with this guy, I will have to learn to speak Spanish because I loved it. I loved the, the sound of it. I loved the, you know, the tones. And he just like, he, he just, he just something that I, I needed to do and to understand his family also, you know, it was, a, it was a, another different culture. So I learned English and Spanish at the same time. So, and you know, it didn't. I didn't really have much time to to uh, learn more in Spanish because um, I only stayed one month, and then my and then it was time for me to go back to Moria, which I did, and I went back and and back home. It was like, you know, for the first time, I did not want to go back home. The feeling was like it was very heavy to to leave this new family that I made, right? And of course, my love. So back on the island, um, the only thing that I wanted to do was going back working and save money and to return to New Mexico as soon as possible. So mom uh, had let me and my brother Amana to move into her late brother's house. We, and then there we installed a phone online and Rafa called me almost every day. Um, I couldn't, you know, call him from home. So I had to, I had to walk to a phone booth 
and call him. And back then, man, the phone cards was like so expensive. So I, I, My I God. could only afford in five minutes just, you know, to let him know, okay, I'll be home this time and you can call me. Right, right. So it was expensive for me, but it was also expensive for him because Yeah, I'll when bet. I, my God, I remember he showed me a bill, a $1,000 bill, just Wow. phone calls, phone calls. And that's, that's what we had back then. We didn't have Skype yet. Right, We didn't right. have computers. It was just phone calls. Right. Even Vaidea and I were the Skype, you know, the Skype generation, I guess. Yes. I can only imagine how expensive and stressful that was. Jeez, yes. And, you know, to walk um, to the phone booth was like a 20-minute walk. And then after that, I would tell him, okay, in 20, 20, give me 30 minutes and I'll be home. So, so yeah, so. It's like, hopefully no one stops you to, to say, hey, Sava. <laughs> it's like, hey, I That got to get was, home quick yeah. <laughs> to take And a I had to, you know, in my house was like, We, I had to pass my parents' house. So I was always hoping for my mom to know, call me and my dad, like, hey, get over here. So I had to run. So yeah, and then, uh, you know, so, but, you know, Rafa was always in my thoughts and all I wanted to do was like see him again. So working was the idea of to, you know, pass the time until I could purchase uh, my plane ticket again. And uh, yeah, in September, 2000. Three, I came back and and there I was just like so happy to see him again and to be in his form and I was like I do and I remember thinking I do not want to like leave this guy anymore you know he just like he was the feeling was like you know how he feels it was so nice so I moved in with him I didn't go back with Rahira We I moved in uh, into his uh, apartment where he was living with him, his brother and his sister. And um, I went back working for Rahira. And eventually um, from Bosser, she upgraded me to be a cashier at the little bakery where Rafa was working. So we were all, again, always together. I was, uh, I became fluent in English and, um, and I was, And I began also to study more uh, Spanish. And yeah, so so it was that. And then uh, not too long after that, I I was pregnant of our firstborn, Vanessa. December 6, 2004, she was born. And Rafa's mother, uh, Lupe, um, moved in with us. And I think I had to mention this because it was really, that moment was like really important for me, Ryan, because um, I was, you know, becoming a mom. I was alone. I did not have my family and, you know, it was a cold winter. Yeah. So I felt, I felt pretty alone and having this sweet lady, she was coming and, you know, I, She she wasn't speaking uh, English. Right, Spanish. I wasn't really speaking Spanish, <laughs> right. but she moved in with us. She wanted to help me, Oh, you know. yeah. And uh, Rafa, in, in the morning, he will go to work, so it was just me and her. But she, you know, he really she she tried to understand me, and she tried to offer me as much as help that she could.
of course you know making breakfast and while i was eating she will hold my baby and just like make him feel very comfortable although we didn't really you know speak the same language she she really showed me you know that um it was okay to we could you know it was okay to not speak english but she tried to understand me you know so and i will be you know i will forever ever be you know grateful thankful to to her for just being there you know just being there as a as a as a mother so yeah so that was a very a very important moment that happened to me you know she she was part of it and and she taught me uh spanish later on right. by just showing me you know little things and um saying spanish and making me repeat and then um you know she loved she loved to watch drama shows <laughs> in spanish yeah telenovelas telenovelas so you know and she was you know just to watch her being into the you know moment her moment and where there was like fight my lupe would just get up and start cursing in spanish so that was basically my first words that i learned from her were like bad words <laughs> and then as i would come home and i would you know call him names like that That's... <laughs> and, and you know and those you know those were like special moments how i i learned my you know a little spanish and of course i learned more by um, um because in the kitchen back in the restaurant there was only mexican right so they and it's me, new mexico right so and new mexico so yeah, yeah. right so i learned more that and it's not really like until Vanessa was born that I was really I really put myself into um uh, the Mexican culture mm -hmm. that I you know and Rafa always had books around mm -hmm. and um and uh, he will always like you know tell me the story of the culture you know yep. and it was just like it's just beautiful and of course the food his mom was a was a great cook and uh, you know all her food was like just full of flavors that will always like bring people together together bring her kids together you know yeah. and share quality time mm -hmm. and that that also made me feel at home because i grew up like that i grew up with um eating with a lot of people. We had a long table, dining table, where it will fit like probably 15 people. And there was always more than 15 people on the table. So we always like share meals together, right? Right, right. I felt more at ease when I was, you know, being around Mexican. And um, learning Spanish wasn't that difficult. Because uh, reading was easy, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was it's similar than French. Mm -hmm. So I learned, I learned Spanish way quicker than I, than English. Do you think that uh, the whole experience of having your mother in law be a kind of like a a warm and and caring figure for you and your your daughter? Do you think that's very atypical? Like that's not a very Tahitian experience because I, i'm just speaking from you know having lived over there and in, in um, right. Haiti, 
a lot of women are not always on the same page as their mother-in-law, right? It's not always like, yes, it's not always extreme, like love and hate, like how, exactly. how white folks are in America, <laughs> but yeah. like you see it in movies. It's joke, you know, jokes about mother-in-laws, but I noticed in Tahiti, it's like, um, there's kind of this two women with strong personalities can't always be in the same household. Right? Be in the same. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I was scared of that. Because my first thought was like um, my mother-in-law coming to, you know, from Mexico and living with her. That was my first thought. Whoa, what is it going to happen? How is she going to be? You know, what's her personality? But she, because of her, you know, personality was totally different. And um, she wasn't, you know, she, she was just a sweet woman that just came and it was just pure love with her. So I, there is no, you know, and uh, that's my son and this is his house and you need to be like that and you need to be clean. And she wasn't like that at all. It was just like, she was just there. She was just there. And she was in the living room waiting for, you know, my lazy head to wake up. And Vanessa was a super easy baby. She was a very lazy baby so she slept we slept most of the time and my mother-in-law was just will be just waiting for us in the living room and when we will get out and she was just like up and say uh, do you want some food and things like that so she really made me feel comfortable and home and spoil me not just me she she and she did that with with everybody with everybody so that made it easy you know and yeah and i and you know her Really, her love, her love had really helped me during that time because it was very difficult to be here with a baby. Yeah, of course. To learn everything, you know, and and I was, I never really, I never really uh, thought myself of becoming a mother very soon. Of course. So I, you know, and because I grew up seeing my cousins and my sister, we all having babies, right? right. Everybody had babies, so. I was like, no, that won't be, that would never be me. And then here I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, right. Here I was. So, you know, the, the it, it was, it was hard for me. It was yes. very hard and cold. The cold did not make it, things easy. So I found my, myself, you know, cry sometime. I just want to like leave. Of course. And yeah. go back to the island. Right. But uh, that's, when really um, loved was stronger between me and Rafa because he understood where I come from. Right. He he learned about my culture. Mm -hmm. He learned that I came from, you know, he, he understood that I came from a very loving, big family. Mm -hmm. So, and just like that, I, I found I was, you know, away from them, away from that, away from that comfort, right? So he would just be by myself and comfort me and, you know, let me cry. And just by just, you know, having him next to me and say, like, he understand, he understood me. And uh, he wished that um, he could, you know, um, give me what I needed in that moment to make me feel, you know, comfortable and happier. So and that... That really helped me, you know, little by little to stay back, you know, and to, you know, realize that 
my life had to change. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to change because I wasn't alone anymore. Right, right. You know, I had my baby and um, I had my man next to me. We were living in our place. So I had to, you know, really focus on that. And, but it wouldn't, I don't think that I would have done it if he didn't, you know, care, right? Yeah, he held it together for you. I got it. Very much. Yeah, that's very much. So, so I, I tough it up and, you know, I, I, I tough it up and I learn how to, you know, becoming a, a, a mother, mm-hmm. a good mom and to be strong for, for my baby, you know, right. Right. and to not, to not give up too easily. So, and, and, and that's what I did. Um, we, and then that's when, you know, life got busier after I got used to living around here and, and I, I can also say that speaking, you know, learning the language also right. helped a lot. Yeah, you have to. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to. Because that's, there's no one that will speak for you. Right. So, and especially having, a, when you have kids, you need to take them for their uh, doctor appointment, dental appointment, uh, register them for school, daycare, things like that. So, and everything is either English or Spanish. Right. There's no French. Right, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Different aspect for sure than the diaspora of Tahitians or Maohi people that live in France. Because it, it, it's hard, right? The weather, you're in Europe. But right. at the on the other hand, there's that whole like some of the food that's imported from France to Tahiti is familiar. Some of the customs and behaviors because a lot of Frani live in Tahiti, French Polynesia mm-hmm. are not as foreign. And some of, you know, obviously the language is not a barrier. But yeah, in, yeah. in the States, you're like completely fish out of water. That's how I know that uh, Vedea describes it. Like it's like being a, a, you know, like a goldfish in the big ocean. All of a sudden, you have to learn Oregon. a whole new system. All these cultures you've never been in contact with. Yeah. Languages and things like that. Um, I just want to tell you too, I just want to remark, I, I, I wonder if other listeners are thinking this too, but I really enjoy hearing this story because it's, you're a good storyteller. It unfolds like a movie. So I'm picturing you mm. and, and Rafa and his, his mom and you trying to adjust and how you're describing it is so vivid, you know? So yes. I, I just want to just remark, that's like a skill, you know? Um, yes. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. But when yeah. we fast forward, how many kids do you have now, and what are their names? Uh, on my own, I have two kids, um, Vanessa, Vaimiritea. Um, she's she's 18 years old now, and I uh, um, also we have a seven, uh, almost eight years old um, girl. And her name is uh, Kahaya Lani. So I also been taking care of um, this little Marite boy. Uh, his name is Leo. He's now nine, uh, he's now 10. And I've been um, watching him since he was a year oh, old. Okay. So he's, he's my son yeah. as well. And uh, Leo has um, almost three years old daughter, uh, daughter, a sister that is like also my daughter. Her name is oh. Lucy, but we call her Lulu. 
mm-hmm. and um and it's um i'm i really i'm very thankful to the parents that you know have trusted me and allowed me to you know uh share a little bit of my culture with their children of course because they they know a little bit of uh, of, uh french as well mm-hmm. and um and you know and they they part of of my family yeah yeah so so and and um and that's what you know um the way i raise those kids it's it's different because you know i i couldn't i couldn't um i could not teach them differently than my daughters because they were coming into my house and after you know talking to their parents and them having allowed me you know to to um to show them, you know, to raise them the way that I raised my my kids. It was it's really, really, you know, um, really allowed me to be who I am, and and you know, and uh, I think I, I think and I hope that um, you know what I teach them, what I taught them, it will help them one day too, right? And um, and I'm he- I've been here for a long time, but I haven't changed. I'm still the same. Um, we c- they call us in Moria the Opero kids, so I'm still the same one. I when um I you know when I talk to my siblings on the phone, they it's like I never left home. Because I still speak uh, Tahitian to them, and or French, so and the way that I grew up in Tahiti, I kind of show the same way to my daughters. So I, they speak, uh, you know, I speak French to them. Now the French that I learn in France, in really the local French from right. Tahiti. Right, that's the French so, we speak here too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And which is, you yeah. know, uh, which is cool because um when you know when they speak to their cousin in Tahiti, they have the same accent. Right. You know, and it really makes you feel it makes me feel like okay, they have that at least, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's so hard to um, you know, uh, to sh- show culture when you know here in the state, especially when there's not that Polynesian, you know, um, yeah, you know, communities, right? Not the it's, same. It's not. It's no. really hard, and but I, I try to show them um, through, you know, just through my personality, how I am, mm-hmm. and you know, musics, and now um, technology makes it makes things pretty easy to, you know, show videos and. Facebook when family and cousins post pictures, you know, I can share those right. with uh with my kids. And uh and now and also um because um Vanessa she's we are artistic over here and Vanessa is been um painting drawings since she was four years old. So now her dream is uh to become a uh, tattoo artist. Yeah. And which is happening pretty fast. Yeah. She she's like 
she found her job, uh, her, you know, she found herself working as a tattoo uh, in a tattoo shop right now. Wow, So congrats, yeah. thank you. And he's, but it's through her art as well that I show her about my culture Of and course. uh, Rafa's culture, because I, you know, I, I, I thought I showed Vanessa um, our trouble uh, Polynesian symbols, what it means. And I always like, you know, push her to add a little bit of those um, Motif. symbols, Yeah. or, or, and, you know, or both Mexican Right. and Polynesian tribal into her arts. Not, you know, not really forgetting what she loves to do, right? Of About course. her style and to just like, and because I, I told her like, you know, I think culture is language and sometimes like, you know, language is through symbols as well Absolutely. and by you know bringing that up a little bit through her arts it's a way for her to also express who she is where her parents come from right It's her heritage. Yeah, absolutely. it's her heritage so yeah so that's that's how i'm teaching my kids about you know the culture they know a little bit of tahitian as well mostly bad words so And um, and um, back in um, February last year, we went to Hawaii. We stayed uh, almost nine days in uh, Oahu, Right. and uh, that's I took. Um, that was a second a second time going back there. Vanessa was um, four years old when we first went to Oahu, and going back now that she, uh, you know, she was a teenager. Mm hmm I could I could see you know before I was showing her about my culture at home, but now uh, when we went back to Oahu, be presence, um, surrounding you know by Tahitian by Polynesian in the um, uh, at the Polynesian culture really changed my daughter because she really felt. how we call it, the mana. Yeah, of course. So, and It's when real. we, yeah, and then when we came back, that's really when she felt like, yeah, I I, I want to be Polynesian. I want to be part of Polynesia, right? Right. So, so I'm glad, I'm glad we, you know, we could show them that. And, and she had been to Mexico as well. Mm hmm So she knows, you know, she knows where her dad come from. And I'm glad that, you know, me and Rafa has that, like, showing our children where we come from, right? And uh, hopefully, you know, one day, of course, one day that, you know, that will help them too, you know, emphasize where they uh, heritage come from. Yeah, well, you two are from really rich cultures, Mm -hmm. and you're both connected with your languages, and you know you're pretty much you guys live your culture from what I understand from you. So I don't have any um, I don't have any doubt that your your children will be able to connect easily if they Yeah. do, you know, be able to go back to Teitimoria uh, and all those things. But Yes. I really appreciate that because it's it's very similar. I can relate, you know, for us, we're, we're raising our kids, not just Mm -hmm. the American culture, but also um, Yeah. side, the Maohi side, and then my side, the Asian side. So can totally Right. understand and really, Yeah. really 
love hearing about other families that are doing the same thing. Um, that being said, when we get to our last portion, um, thinking about the next generation, thinking about this community we're building, you know, we've a lot of folks in the group have had conversations about um, the Tahitian dance community in the United States is not a true representation of Tahitian mm. people. Mm. And it's it's love for the culture, but oftentimes our families are kept out of the the scene. And so when we think about building our own community of actual families that one of the spouse is from Tahiti, from French Polynesia, and the children are mixed with that actual Maohi bloodline, right. you know, lineage, um, what steps do we need to take for our kids so that we can preserve that? What steps do we need to take so that we can move forward? So in right. 20 years, um, we, we are, our kids are able to say, you know, our parents laid the foundation for that community, like the Hawaiians have it, the Samoans have it, the Tongans have it here in, in the States and the diaspora. And what, what ideas do you have about our community as we're continuing to build? Right. Well, first of all, right, you're doing something, you're already, create, you created already the foundation, the starting foundation by, you know, creating this podcast, opening the Facebook page. That, just that, is like, I mean, when I saw the page on Facebook, I was just like, no way. What? You know, so that's a, first that that's a big step that you did right there. And I, I'm thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that for, you know, Baidea and, you know, because it's really, it's really through what you, you and how, you know, and also my husband, what, how you guys um, supported us, you know, with, by, with your respect, with your understanding, with your love that we stayed. And, and, you know, and it's really through you looking for a way for us to feel home here, make us stay here. Cause that's how I see, right? And, and of course, like um, by trying to get, um, if we can try to get, you know, our Polynesian people here together one day, that will be a beautiful thing too. And, you know, to, to see our children, I am really looking forward to like, you know, having our children together and share those moments because I don't think they will look at each other like, who are you? I think the connection will be super easy because they're, they have the same kind of story, you know, and they have the same kind of, you know, um, culture learning. So, but it's really, you know, it's, I'm seriously, I wouldn't be here if there weren't that true love and that respect, you know, from the people that I met through the years that I lived here, either, you know, bad or good people, I learned from both sides. And I, I also learned how to um, create my family and my, my older family over here, right? By, you know, and by just, opening up to them, letting them know where I come from, telling my stories. And 
and having, and I'm forever grateful to the people that I know over here, to all my friends, family friends, because they just, they love me for who I am, for what I am. And, and that really kept me here and, and, I, and helped me to adjust to, you know, a different, different life, different culture. So, and I don't, and I think that's, that's really a good thing to have. And and we should we should all just you know do that by helping up in, to each other by you know being just or just listen right and and respect and and understanding that really will you know strengthen our our you know our living life over here. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's beautiful. Um, I really can't take the flowers, right? Because it's, it's really you all who moved here, yeah. um, who had to give up everything, you know, including right. your relationship with your, your parents, your land, your, your whole family. If it wasn't for thinking about that courage that you took, that Vedia mm -hmm. took to think I'm going to raise a family here. Yeah. Um, then of course I would, I, I wouldn't have been motivated as much as I would have to create right. what I could have for us. Right. Not just for her, not just for me, but for all of, all of us included like our, our kids and everything. And yeah, um, I just want to say too, it's, it's really, um, how do I put it? It's, it's, it's scary, right? It's scary to have to, leave home um but even more scary to think how how could i raise my kids outside of what i was raised in and are they gonna think about moria the same but right. i have no doubt because i have no doubt in that no matter if it's you or video or somebody else listening that's similar story because yeah. the french polynesia is so beautiful um, yeah and not just in a visual aspect right but also right. just the, the way that people relate to each other you know you you can't walk down the road without saying you know Yerana or Yerana. there's no way right but there's here in the no states way. you you just there's a different yeah. way we go about things it's not better or worse but i think the narrative sometimes is lost right a lot of people say you're so lucky you live in the states i wish i could do that it's like yeah mm -hmm. but it's not one big shopping trip here you know, it's not other dangerous things. There's other things in general that we have to think about, worry about. Um, yes. So both places are good and have their good and bad. Yeah. But it, no matter what, it's difficult to be the one away from home. So I just want to, I just want to, again, say thank you for being brave and thank you for sharing your story. Most of all, I think a lot of people hear this and either feel motivated or feel like they completely resonate and relate with what you're saying. So thank right. you. Maruru. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. And I also have a, um, is that okay? I, um, I have a message in oh, for my people here. Absolutely. Thank you. Please share. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Um, Tehin Aruneyo, e faite to u, um, tapo arfa ya oto to umau, uh, tae e tuahine, te, te orane i te whenua marite. Ya meite oto, ya faito to iroto i to oto, um, nei orar a, ya meite ya oa oa uh, atua tatou i te ie ora noera i te ie matahiti api piti tia tia otuni 
piti ahuru mamha, maruru ya oya to araya, no te farirame, no te farorame, maruru. Maruru he miri, I think we'll end there. Thank All right. you. Nana. Yeah.